My agent called, he said he got some interest in my script I'm glad I didn't tell him that I never finished it I got my cast of characters and outline for the plot I even got a famous classic case of writer's block Get it out of my head 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 Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Welcome to On the Page. This is the podcast that answers all of your questions about the craft and business of screenwriting. My name is Pilar Alessandra, and I'm the instructor and script consultant here at On the Page. Joining me today is Ilana Pena. Hello. Hi. And Madeline Hendricks. Hello. Hello. Also known as Maddie. Can we call you Maddie? Yes, Maddie's great. Okay, terrific. So Ilana and Madeline are friends, and they are also TV writers, and they also run this really cool thing in Silver Lake called See What Sticks. So first, let me introduce uh, introduce them separately, because your credits are incredible, you guys, and you're such babies. Look at you. <laughs> All right, so we've got Alana Pena, and she is a Cuban-American writer from Miami and a staff writer for season four of CW's award-winning, critically acclaimed Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Yeah, your favorite show. <laughs> Ilana is developing an original comedic pilot with Gina Rodriguez's production company, I Can and I Will, which has an overall deal at CBS. Ilana recently co-wrote a series of shorts produced by Refinery29 and Planned Parenthood with Rachel Bloom. And her plays have been produced professionally in Chicago, New York, and L.A. Welcome, Ilana. Thank you so much. Then we've got Madeline, a.k.a. Maddie Hendricks. She has worked on the CW's Jane the Virgin for the past five years. Yeah, your other favorite show. <laughs> Starting as the showrunner's assistant, then as a producer, and currently a writer on the staff. We've got to talk about that. <laughs> and during this time, Jane earned a Peabody, an AFI award, Vulture's best show on TV, and was nominated for a Golden Globe. She is also a playwright whose work has been published by Sam French, Samuel French, I just call him Sam, <laughs> and performed on Broadway. Now, together, uh, Madeline and Ilana have co-created See What Sticks, a monthly workshop with an audience in LA where artists of all disciplines come together to present works in progress, right? Yes. yes. Ah, <laughs> my goodness. Where do we begin? You know what? Um, why don't we talk about See What Sticks first? Great. And then trust me, everybody, we're going to talk about the shows and everything like that. <laughs> but I want everybody to, to know about, about this really cool show that you're doing because it's about work in progress. Mm-hmm. So why don't you guys uh, tell, tell the listeners about that? Well, it all started because Alana and I, we actually met when we were 16 years old one summer at an acting program called Cherubs at Northwestern. Oh, cool. Um, and we didn't, we weren't really great friends. We, we barely spoke. We barely spoke, but... Um, didn't really like each other at no, all. No, yeah, no. It was like didn't. a parent trap thing. As a matter of fact, <laughs> we were in the isolation cabin together. <laughs> um, and then, you know, a bunch of years later, we re-met in LA mm-hmm. and... Well, do you want to tell that? Yeah, and um, I mean, this is sort of our origin story. Uh, I was applying for a job on a show that Maddie had worked on. So I connected with her because I knew her from this program. And I said, can you help me, you know, get a leg up? She got my resume to the right pile and put in a good word. And I got the job. 
and I took her out to dinner to thank her. Which was very nice. Um, <laughs> and in that conversation, we started talking sort of about what we were missing in LA and how, you know, we were both assistants on TV shows and working really hard and we both came out here to be writers and we, we sort of were missing that scrappy college black box workshop vibe where people could take risks and not be afraid to fail. And we were 23, we had just graduated and we wanted a community in LA where we could try things and be surrounded by super talented awesome people but also feel safe and mm -hmm. not feel the pressure you know that this next thing that we that we put up is going to be our our calling card necessarily we wanted to be able to express ourselves creatively and have fun and mm -hmm. make friends while doing it because this town i mean la it's an industry town and when you go to parties it's a lot of like whose desk were you on and what you know what are you developing and it's a lot of these buzzwords and it's amazing and that's you know Ask, that gives you a lot of connections and you know allies in the business but we wanted something that was solely creative and not industry with a capital i and a place where people could really come together and um just feel free and not feel the pressure of the industry and so we started see what sticks um which was those three years ago now mm -hmm. um and so we do it uh it's always on a saturday it's always once a month it's at 5 30 p.m at the lyric hyperion in silver lake and um it's host we have a host we so we it's very much a relaxed workshop but we do anyone can come and watch it so we make it an experience for the audience it's, it's free always free and <laughs> never will not be free <laughs> um and it's hosted by our dear friend brendan scannell who's a very talented comedian actor writer we actually did the summer program with him as well and i went to college with him <laughs> and he basically that means that every month he gets to try out a stand-up set and so he's been doing it for three years and even watching him grow as a comedian through these three years has been such a gift Incredible. so, so stand-up sketch right oh yeah um what about storytelling oh yeah oh yeah, yeah? essays poems um uh you know pieces of of solo shows we have musicians we had um obviously scripts you know from plays from pilots from features short films um We've had someone uh, created a podcast once and wanted to try it out and, and, and played it in front of the whole audience and people listened and then gave feedback afterwards. It's really a, a mix of different mediums because while it is mostly writers a lot of the time, um, you know, we find that we're both very inspired by different kinds of art. And sometimes, like I, we were just talking about this before, that sometimes you know walking through a museum can inspire you more than watching a TV show. Sometimes, even if you're a TV writer, just because you never know what's going to spark something. Mm -hmm. And so that's part of what's so great about See What Sticks is sometimes the thing that inspires you is someone who's a, a, a songwriter who mm -hmm. sings a folk song, and you're like, God, that makes me think about this time when I, you know, um, right? And and, and Matt, Maddie and I have workshopped and. When, I've done a I've read a poem that I wrote Maddie's read an essay we once took our Facebook friendship <laughs> like our wall-to-wall -wall on Facebook from when we were teenagers because we'd met when we were teenagers and had set it to music and did this like <laughs> piece it was amazing did anybody dance was there no not in that bit. but we've had dancing we've had um the only rule the only thing we don't have is improv just because there's a lot of places for indie starting out improv teams to sort of try out in the city so we were like that's they 
can have that and we offer. So those are our, our three rules is it has to be 10 minutes or less. Mm-hmm. It has to be a work in progress. It can't be anything that's finished or polished or perfect and no improv. Yeah. And, and uh, that sounds like my life, actually. <laughs> it really does. Like those, are, those are my parameters for everything. Honestly, same. Um, so so uh, how do people vote? How do they express, how do they give feedback? Is there a meter? <laughs> no. Um, so the, yeah, we, um, the whole purpose of having it at a place where we can have a patio and a bar and a place to get food and drink is to spark conversation and spark people talking about it. So we don't have a traditional talk back. Um, a workshopper can do that. We always say the 10 minutes are yours. So we've had someone workshop for, you know, six minutes and then use the rest of the time she passed out comment cards. Hmm. Um, people, Maddie once was like kind of ruminating on a piece about a certain like sect of a religion. And she said, what do you think of when you think about this religion and passed out something for people to write about? You can use the audience in whatever way you want, or you can just workshop for those 10 minutes straight. And then afterwards, we, we encourage the workshoppers before they start to say, hey, like, let's say this is a scene in a pilot. I really think things need to be cut. I would love for you to think about what things could go and then talk to me after. Now, how would you workshop in front of a crowd uh, a script? Would you bring in your actors and would you also have them read out loud the scene directions so that people, you do, you do suggest that. Everyone does it in different ways. Mm-hmm. So sometimes people will have, uh, you know, a line of five people sitting in chairs next to each other and one person's reading stage directions. Everyone goes around and says what character they're reading and they'll just sit and read it. Sometimes people will rehearse a little bit beforehand, usually, you know, that morning or the day before, and people will get up on their feet and they'll actually act it out and memorize the lines. Mm-hmm. And it's like a full-on scene, like in a play or in a, in a TV show. Um, and we find that people really, they do what, what they feel needs to be done. You know, because sometimes people will do it because they're a director. And they're not necessarily a writer. And they want to get the piece up on its feet to see what it looks like. Yeah. And we also, we do have, because we've been doing it for three years, we now have these, like, helpful tips for workshoppers. And one of them is only read the stage directions that you believe to be absolutely necessary. Because I'm sure you know, stage directions, when you read them out loud, can sometimes take a long time to mm-hmm. say. Yep. So we try to do stuff like that. We say, you know, if you want to get, we encourage people to get on their feet if they want, just because sometimes literally the act of standing up can make you see it more than just sitting down. Um, what are some of our other tips? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it really depends on what you want out of it. Exactly. I, I love this, those tips, too, because also it would make you it would sort of force a rewrite whether you like it or not, mm-hmm. right? Having to go through and, and look at the scene direction that will work for the audience might also be the scene direction that works for the page. Exactly. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Uh, uh, great tips. And I'm so glad that you guys are doing this. Thank you. It's wonderful for them. I'm going to be telling my writers about it for sure. Oh, great. Um, before I forget, uh, is there a, a website that people should go to to check it out and all that? Yeah, um, you can check us out at seewhatsticksla.com. You can sign up to workshop on that website uh, or by emailing us at seewhatsticksla at gmail.com. But please come to a workshop um, before you sign up yourself, just so you can sort of get a sense, see what we do. They're really fun. We have friends who've, you know, never workshopped, but just come every month because it's a really good time. Come as an audience member. As an audience, as an member, audience member, yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. Okay, everybody, check that out. But come as an audience member first because also people need the audience, right? Yes. How do you know what sticks unless you hear an audience's reaction? Exactly. That's what this whole thing is about, and right? The audience is 
in a way what we're most proud of because I feel like over the years we've developed this audience that is the most supportive audience you will ever meet they are and it's always new people Mm -hmm. but everyone is always so supportive and so lovely and it is just such a warm environment you know you're always going to feel like they're not they're they're out to to help you to support you to be there for you and that's one of the best parts of coming to see what sticks yeah we've had people who say like there's stuff that I've tried out in front of your audience that I could have never tried out at an open mic or you know in another form because I knew that I would get the respect and the support from the see what sticks audience so come and join us (laughs) no in 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 the process of like finding your friendship again and all this stuff (laughs) you became working writers yes so which came first the reunion or 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 becoming working writers oh the reunion the reunion reunion. I mean it all kind of happened at the same time because we were both assistants Uh when we reunited and then we have both worked our way up while see what sticks has grown and we have grown and we have become closer um so it's all kind of happened and i feel like it's all influenced each other <laughs> now, sure. okay so we're, we're talking about you know two two completely different shows yeah um so it's gonna like forgive me if i sort of give you some general questions yeah. all right but um i know everybody always wants to know about big breaks right so if you can tell everybody sort of your first job in and then the thing that you think started you moving up you know whether it was a spec of a show that you wrote or your feedback in the writer's room so I'm interested in in that how how did you get from here to there (laughs) um well so I moved to LA right after graduating college and this is Maddie Um, talking this is Maddie talking and I basically emailed anyone who would talk to me about the industry and anyone who lived in LA really because I'm from New York and I didn't know many people when I moved out here. And I eventually got connected with Jenny snyder Ehrman, who runs Jane the Virgin. And um, we got coffee, and she graciously recommended me for a job on the show Rain on the CW. And I was the writer's PA on that show for a year. And what does a writer's PA involve? Is that is that a like an actual PA, like getting coffee and stuff like yes, that? Yes, okay. getting coffee, getting lunches, printing out call sheets and one-liners and scripts and running errands. And uh, I loved it. It was like the best year of my life because you're just you're so close to the writer's room and you're so close to all these incredible brilliant people and you're you can watch dailies and you can read all the scripts as they come out and the story areas and the outlines and it's just magical when you first come to LA and you're dying to be a you know a part of it um so I did that for a year and then Jane the Virgin got picked up after that and Jenny hired me to be her assistant um and I did that for two years and the second year I wrote my first episode and then I became an associate producer on the show, and then a staff writer, and now I'm a story editor. So as far as uh, writing your first episode, did you need to pitch it to the room first? Um, no. I mean, I pitched it to the room in the process of it, mm-hmm. but it was more of like a conversation that I had with Jenny that I knew going into that year that I was going to write an episode. It wasn't my idea for the episode. It mm-hmm. was just... Um, something I knew would happen because mm-hmm. um, Jenny's amazing and brings up young women and uh, I you know it, it, it was a good fit for me on the show it was it's an incredible environment did you have to show her some samples of your writing in order um, for her I don't think I showed her any of like my own pilots but I did a lot of writing as her assistant just in the room like I wrote punch-ups and I wrote um uh, different pieces for that we had for like social media and things like that, and I think that happened. It happened with you as well, yeah. Anna, right? Mm-hmm. I think it just happens a lot when you're so involved in the show that naturally there's a lot of writing that comes up. So 
um, tasks that fall to you because mm-hmm. you're so close to it. Yeah. Um, and so it, it, sort of, it, very, it was very organic the way it all happened because by the time I became a writer, I knew the show so well. I was involved in it for so long that none of it felt uh, too overwhelming, you know. So I graduated college and then immediately moved to New York. And this is Ilana talking. A twist. Um, (laughs) So I lived in New York uh, and I desperately wanted, I was emailing everyone too in New York. And I'll say New York is a wonderful place, but there's not a lot of job, not a lot of day jobs for aspiring writers that are writing related. I ended up getting an office PA job in a non-scripted production company, which was literally the opposite of what I wanted to do. It was not <laughs> scripted. Um, but it's like kind of where I cut my teeth on like what a PA does and learning, you know, kind of the jargon that having it on my resume made me stand out for my first TV job, I think. Also, there's storytelling that goes on with non-scripted. Totally, big totally. Time. And it was a, it's a very cool company and, and I the work they do is really cool and I'm like grateful for the experience. But I was so desperate to be sort of like what Matt I was I would see Maddie's like Instagrams. We like weren't even friends. And I would be like, oh my God, she's so close to a writer's room. I'm like, get there. Um, and then I I tried I moved to LA. I was like, well, I visited and it sort of seemed like being out here there were more jobs. And I ended up getting a job through another friend who did the summer program with us um, on a Comedy Central sketch show as a script PA. So that was my first in, um, and I did that. And that was different from a writer's PA because we were a submission-based show, so I was reading a ton of sketches and giving feedback. And um, we would have meetings every week where we'd all read the same 25 sketches, and I would take notes. So it was kind of development mixed with writer's assistant. Mm-hmm. It was kind of a perfect first job. And I was like learning all I could about comedy, and you know, we'd, it was submissions, everyone from like my friends to Comedy Central sending us writers. So I was really learning what was funny and who was funny and um I did that and then I worked on Rain that's that was the show that Maddie helped me get a job and I was an exec producer's assistant on Rain um helping out in the writer's room and kind of um running errands sometimes but more just assisting these two EPs and then see my my path is a lot more Maddie's been on one show for five (laughs) years and I've been on like five shows in five years um actually that's true um and then I went to uh TBS comedy um, through someone on Rain um, recommended me, and I was a showrunner's assistant there. So that I sort of was um, moving up as an assistant, but knowing when to leave a job when the season would end, or I could tell that there wasn't room for promotion, and kind of like they're getting too comfortable with you. Like you, you're the best assistant we've yeah. ever had. <laughs> yeah, and kind of like I, I realized a big thing is learning when to leave a thing, even if it's comfy and you make your latte in the Keurig every day, and the people are great. It's if they have no opportunities for you, as kind as they are, you kind of have to know to leave mm-hmm. um, and keep in touch, and you know, but leave. So I went to this um, TBS show that was only five months because shows don't last all year. And um, I was a showrunner's assistant, helped out in the writer's room, and then through, um, basically through a producer on that show, I landed on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend as a showrunner's assistant. So kind of like what Maddie did, um, I assisted Rachel Bloom and Aline Brosh McKenna, and I you know, was so close to the show. And I was also kind of writing, we had some character social medias that were very I was basically writing jokes for social media and, you know, helping them running the Twitter account, running. Yeah. (laughs) Running the Twitter account, you know, doing first drafts of certain things that they would submit, you know, that they would 
look at and edit, but they would trust me to sort of, um, I knew the voice of the show and I was very close to it. And then they brought me up to writer's assistant in the writer's room and I was able to co-write an episode with them uh, based on, you know, what they knew about me. And I wrote those shorts with Rachel for Planned Parenthood. So she also, I worked directly with her. And then that was last season. And then this season they promoted me to full full writer. I have to ask, I want to jump to sort of the workings of the writer's room with what you guys feel comfortable talking about. Yeah. So uh, with Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, we got songs. We got songs. (laughs) Now, are you, you know, as a writer involved in writing the songs as well? I wish, people ask me that all the time and how cool would it be if I was like, yes, um, I write the songs. I don't write the songs. Um, We have an amazing songwriting team that tackles the songs and it's Rachel Bloom, um, Jack Dolgen, who's one of our writers on staff and an exact producer on the show and Adam Schlesinger, who, um, is our music producer who the three of them write, they've written over 115 songs or something. Oh my God. It's crazy. Amazing. Um, and you know, sometimes things are born out of like ideas in the room or, you know, Aline contributes lyrics every so often, but for the most part, they'll take an outline and they'll look at it and they'll, you know, be like, a song should go here or here's a place that the room talked about having a song or this is an emotional high point of the episode. Um, and like the best days in the room are when they open the door and sing us the thing that they came up with. And it's, I'm like a kid in a candy store. I'm so happy. <laughs> Do they ever um, call back certain lines that you've written within the lyrics? You know, like, I mean, that, that must be fun. Like looking for like those... You've given Easter eggs, right, uh-huh. for what the song could be, right? Because you're you're creating the story. Right, right. So I would imagine that some, some of those things sort of pop up. Yeah, it depends where we are in the process, because sometimes we'll have songs written before we have the script. Oh, <laughs> interesting. Sometimes we'll have the song based on the outline, and we, ha- we don't have the final draft of the script yet. So it'll be based on things we've come up with, but it's kind of symbiotic. Like one kind of begets another in cool ways sometimes. Well, the way a good musical should, because these, shouldn't, these things shouldn't be sort of one thing laid over the other. It should organically. It's they, living they and breathing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, we write episodes that are, you know, full stories where the songs, you know, it's not, we're not lame is like the songs aren't, um, the script, mm-hmm. you know, they, uh, they take something and they go deep into it. So, it's fun to see how what we come up with influences them and vice versa. Very cool. And um, and as far as, as your writer's room, uh, Maddie, with mm-hmm. Jane the Virgin, now, it, it's funny. I think maybe the similarities between the show are, are you guys aren't afraid to be heightened, mm-hmm. right? You're yeah. not afraid to, like, go there. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, like... Your version of the song part is sort of that telenovela kind of and the narration, magical realism too. right? Right? Yeah. Right? So, uh, so tell me a little bit about how you break story every week with this show when you've got such a a, a, a large cast and and an audience so invested in what happens to them. Yeah. Well, the biggest thing when you just said uh, the word heightened, it just made me think our our biggest sort of. Uh, feeling that we always have when we're breaking a story is Jenny always says like we're taking some crazy telenovela twist but we're grounding how someone reacts to it and that's why I think the show works because that's what would happen in real life right crazy things happen but we react and we cry or we scream or we whatever and that feels real and so when those moments happen on the show I think that's why it never gets too 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 broad because we have this incredible actress Gina Rodriguez and so many other incredible actors on the show who uh, react in a way that we feel is relatable and I think that's what 
knits all the different stories together, even when they are crazy telenovela twists. You know what I'm realizing is, so you have crazy things happen on your show and people have grounded reactions, and you have kind of normal things that happen in Crazy Ex-Girlfriend <laughs> and really crazy reactions. Yeah, mm. and then people break into song. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so this, but it's always a balance, right? Yeah, yeah, that's You can't so have crazy meets crazy, no. otherwise everybody would just be exhausted. Or grounded meets grounded. Right, I mean, right. and they'd be bored. Yeah. Right. Um, so, so as far as... Uh, as breaking the show every week you know now that everybody's like this person loves this person and there's babies and blah 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 um are there is it getting more difficult to find new stories and 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 how how do you go about doing that like if you sit down and go okay we need a new episode what what would happen uh it's not more difficult because the characters i mean something that's so i feel so incredibly lucky to work on a show that has gone on for five seasons because you know these characters so well and so it's never hard to come up with story because they're evolving and they're changing and jane is a different person in season five than she was in season one so the stories we're telling for her are completely different we would never retell the same stories that we did before and same with every character especially uh you know petra and Raphael and these characters who have grown so much as people over the course of these five seasons um and in terms of breaking the stories yeah i mean it's really character driven as again as wacky as it is it all comes from what do these characters want overall this season what are each of their overall objectives and and then smaller stories that we'll come up with we'll say you know god this would be such a fun magical realism moment how can we work that into a story or how can we frame something around that or or the other way around we'll come up with a you know a parenting story that's really important to one of the writers that we want to tell and then huh that sounds like this magical realism moment how can we weave those two things together so it is a lot of uh combing through a bunch of different elements and figuring out the way you know the theme that that brings them together so that nothing's too wacky and too crazy what do, what do you think are your strong are, are your is your strong suit in the writer's room like you like maddie are i'm looking at you i'm like she's not a mom right <laughs> no 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 right. no, no. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> like you said you're a baby right so yeah. so for both of you what do you bring to the room that maybe they don't like, like, is your specific point of view or your specific voice that you tend to add to the scripts? Yeah. Um, uh, we actually, I was asked this for a vulture, a very awesome vulture feature on our season three finale that everyone mm. should read. So I was, I was asked this question. So I kind of, <laughs> um, I am, I mean, I'm not the only person in the room who loves Broadway musicals, but I am a person in the room who loves Broadway musicals, and our main character, Rebecca Bunch, loves Broadway musicals, and um, I bring, I definitely have a, um, an encyclopedic knowledge of the Broadway canon, not as much as Rachel Bloom, but I bring those kinds of jokes, I think they fall very easily for me. Um, I'm also the youngest writer, um, and a lot of times I'll pitch or get people will turn to me and at like these sort of more millennial references. Um, I I think I bring what? that point of view. What do the kids say, Alana? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm making them sound like they're like, they know too, but it's, there's, um, and there's one character in particular, Maya, who's one of the White Feather employees who um, has brown hair and glasses and is a 20s. She's like, looks like me. And <laughs> I find myself pitching for her very naturally because she's just kind of like, a millennial, like with a point of view. <laughs> um, and then also, I, I have, I'm the only writer on staff who has not been there since season one. I came in season two. And I think I also have a little, like, I, I think I have a mix of this, like, a bit of a fresh perspective because it's like I wasn't in the room when they were coming up with the main 
arcs for these characters way back in season one, but also as Alina Rachel's assistant and as the writer's assistant, another encyclopedic knowledge I have is of the show. And a lot of times, like, Aline will turn to me in the room and be like, what's, like, this side character's first name? And I know it because I've, like... <laughs> because you're a fan. I'm a fan, and I've oh, also... I've submitted us for awards. I've had to, you know, control F in a big document. I, I, I've seen the episode so many times, and I, like... It's, it's, like, in my blood at this point. So a lot of times, like, kind of what you were saying, these Easter eggs, like, I can think of something that was in, like... 202 and come up with like a callback for it because it's all kind of just in me. That is a cool skill to have. <laughs> yeah. Really cool. I think that happens a lot when you when you come up on a show because yeah. I have the same thing, which I always think like the amount of space in my brain that could be filled with other things <laughs> if I didn't have so much Jane the Virgin knowledge, I wonder what it would be. But um, but same thing, like you you grow up with the show, so you come to know these characters and these stories and these random facts so incredibly well and that is definitely something helpful to have in the room um as a as a young writer coming in and also uh I'm also the youngest writer in the room and um yeah I mean I think it's similar that you you just have a different point of view when also when you haven't been in a writer's room for that long on that many different shows because it's like my frame of reference is all Jane the Virgin. Mm -hmm. So it's like my gut reaction tends to be what the show's gut reaction probably is. Instead of sort of maybe drawing from other other shows that, that... you know, maybe the the room grew up with. You're right. not you're not sort of inadvertently right. like right. shadowing that or right. borrowing. Right. That's um. So, in the room, um, do people ever get stuck? And if they do, how do they get unstuck? Uh, yeah, all the time. Yeah. Um, yes. A lot of times, uh, it's great when you get stuck right before lunch because then you have an hour where you can take a walk. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll often take a walk myself, and I'll see other writers walking around the block too. And everyone's just kind of mm-hmm. taking a moment to stop thinking or to think and walk at the same time or whatever it is that is part of your process. Um, but oftentimes, also, sometimes there's a long five-minute silence in the room and everyone's thinking for a second or writing things down to see if a pitch makes sense before you say it out loud or you say something out loud and it doesn't make any sense, but that makes someone else think about another thing, which eventually leads you to the final answer. Um, but a, a lot of walks, I would say. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say walks. And I think, you know, Rachel Bloom, I have seen her be stuck on a song, take a walk around the lot and come back with a finished song. Like, I don't know how she does it. Um, she'll record it on her iPhone and then play it for us and it's done and it's perfect. Like, it's really kind of remarkable what a walk can do. Um, I also think when we're in production and there's so many things happening, you don't have the space and time to like sit and fixate. It's like we have to go to the table read for the episode like three ahead. So we have to kind of recalibrate our brain and or three. But yeah, whatever the table read would be. (laughs) Um, uh, And so you kind of have to recalibrate and and sometimes seeing the table read of an episode or seeing, you know, a daily of the episode they're shooting or something from post. Like we have like five episodes being worked on or whatever at a certain point. And sometimes that can inspire something that we're stuck on with the one we're trying to break in the room. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, in this one that like, you know, we're cutting 301 together. And like this moment, we need to like, figure something out about that moment for this like it inspires each other and especially in production when you don't have the space to sit and like mull on one episode for very long because there's four others who are crying out for attention too yeah and the feedback loop is really really awesome like you were saying when you're on a show that's 
airing as you're writing it because you'll see what people are saying on Twitter, what people are saying online, mm -hmm. what people think are, is going to happen, and then you want to, and oftentimes, I mean, mm, it's not going to happen, but it might. But yeah. it's interesting, <laughs> you know, and it's helpful to uh, keep the audience in mind as you're breaking story because it can often help you, you know, guide you in the right direction. Mm -hmm. So um, you, you both have a playwriting background as well. How do you think this has helped you or where are the the two crafts similar when it comes to tv writing and playwriting i think for me i and i, I guess for, i know for you <laughs> um playwriting is very character based um a lot of plays are can be two people talking um and it's that's that was my end to writing i mean we both were actors first yeah um, and then both musical theater, both lovers. musical theater lovers, both <laughs> actors, then playwrights, then TV writers, and I think playwriting the the focus. I fell in love with TV writing because it combined what I loved about playwriting, which was character driven, collaborative. Um, yeah, I mean stuff like that. I think TV. You've lived with the Jane characters for five years. Yeah, we've lived with Crazy X for four years. That is the the amount of care and love that goes into that character is very theatery to me and very like that's what can happen in an hour and a half on a you know on an off broadway stage yeah and i think that the character i mean i was just rereading a a what was it like robert mckee's story on just you know refreshing on how to write a movie and um and they were saying like character is plot plot is character mm -hmm. and i feel like that lesson was never made, it, it, it was so obvious to me the second I started working on Jane. I was like, oh, you can't, it, and, and, and I do feel like the seed of that was planted when I started writing plays, which yeah. is like, you can't just start coming up with plot that has nothing to do with your characters, and you can't come up with cool character moves that has nothing to do with the plot that you've laid the seeds for. So mm -hmm. I, I think that the seed of, of um, how important it is to write for characters was planted when I started writing plays and it has just grown since I've worked on TV. And also, in this industry right now, there are so many playwrights who are out here and so many TV writers who are writing plays that they really are becoming one in the same in a lot of ways. I think there's a challenge with playwriting and, and if you can figure out how to do this, I think you, you've, like, great, you're gonna be a wonderful playwright, which is how do you move story with dialogue mm -hmm. without being on the nose? Right. Or, 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 you know, leaning on exposition. Because mm -hmm. it's, with film, with TV, you can show, right? You can mm -hmm. cut to, you know, there's this huge parade in a park, right? Uh -huh. um, but you can't do that on stage. And it is the two people. And how do you shift story? How do you, how do, you do that? Do you, do you guys have any tricks for moving story through dialogue alone? Well, I guess for me, I don't feel like it, it's only through dialogue because part of what's cool about theater uh, is, is you have the lights, you have the sound, you have the set, you have the audience. And in the way that Jane has taught me that we can write on our screen and we can add type-ons and stamp-ons and graphics to tell our story and the narrator to tell our story, I feel like there are those tricks in theater as well and in any medium as long as you use them creatively in a new and refreshing way. So I, when I, my favorite part of writing plays is when you can try to find like maybe it's a mixed media element, maybe there's a mm -hmm. projection on the back of the wall, maybe there's a sound uh, of a person talking and you don't know where that sound is coming from. You know, like I feel like 
it's, it's always about how can I write this in a new, refreshing way that keeps me excited. Because if I'm excited by it, then maybe someone else will be excited Yeah, but I'm, a, I'm about to take, take your budget down to half. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to stick you in a black box. <laughs> and I'm going to say, there's no, pro- oh, sorry, we just don't have a projection screen. And I'm just going to like yeah. force you to have these two characters in that play and things have to move only with them. Well, then I think it's, it's, it's action. It's, it's about putting people in situations that are uncomfortable and, and uh, there's a lot of conflict going on. It's always about, right? I mean... Right. I, well, I also think something that I've realized that I've kind of had to relearn being in TV for so long is that there is an intrinsic simplicity to playwriting. And yes, you need to move story along and people need to be in conflict and things need to change and grow and evolve. But there is something that could also just be so interesting. There is inherent conflict in two people who have a torrid past talking to each other. There's inherent conflict in someone reuniting with someone that they wronged. Like, the dialogue in that conflict, you don't need... It doesn't need to be like, and then a third character appears and they started a war. Like it and doesn't. Also, and I think that the it, the same rule goes for both, which is that at the end of it, you got to make sure every single word is necessary in there. If there is mm-hmm. any line in that, especially with a play, oh yeah, that is not completely necessary to move the story forward, mm-hmm. cut it. Because that, that's when it gets dialogue heavy and right. boring because it's not doing anything. It needs to be moving the story forward. But I think about like, our town mm-hmm. is my favorite play. Um, There's and no music in that. No. <laughs> I mean, our town is when it, when you kind of strip it down, it's like what happened. It's just people going about their. It, literally, they say it. It's like we grow up, we live, we die. That's what happens in our town. It's the saddest. It's play. oh my god, I cry. Me too. At the end Every of it. time. First time I saw it, like the, my grandparents like plunked me down in front of a oh. TV version of oh it. Oh my god, alive, alive. You know, and they're like, "Watch this. This is important." I got a lot of that growing up. By the way, that's Here, great. Sit there and watch this. That's right? amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. Except like I was so little, right? Right. Oh. And at the end of it, I just felt like, like. You know, can can six year olds feel suicidal? I was like, <laughs> oh my god, look at all No, for. it guts you. Oh, but god. thinking about how it guts you is not. There's no huge plot twist. There's no crazy device. I mean, the device is that you know there's a stage manager and it kind of plays with form, but it's all really done through dialogue and character and watching the tragedy of these people living their lives and then not living their lives. And that's the simplest story you can tell. But they do it in such a beautiful way. Like, I, you don't watch our town and say, like, well, I wish there was more plot. There's That's also true. an element, too, I think, of, of the dialogue being poetic. And, you know, in some plays, not for all plays, but, like, I just saw Angels in America in New York. And, I mean, that is poetry, mm-hmm. you know? And so part of what makes you able to sit there for seven and a half hours <laughs> is that the, it is just so beautiful. You know, yeah. not, and some of it is, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not all the most beautiful poetic language, but... It, it kind of is, and you want to hear people talk because it's pleasing to the ear. So almost, almost creating your own language in, in a play sometimes yeah. and making that the, the conceit of it, making that the hook of it. Yeah. But like, you know, so, I mean, well, Shakespeare, of course, has amazing story, yeah. but also oh, going I mean, to hear the language as well. Yeah. So, but, but back to what you said a little bit, Alana, about like just keeping it simple with if you get two people in a room and there's a trap, like there was some kind of tragic backstory or some some mm-hmm. secret just working up to that one reveal of the secret might be enough in a play yeah so why keep pushing and keep pushing and keep pushing mm-hmm. it isn't a feature film 
Right. That's a, these are great tips, you guys. Thank you. <laughs> Thank no, you. I'm, lear- I'm I'm really learning because I'm always like, how do we how do we capture that thing that plays do? Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, when they do it well, it's mm-hmm. fascinating, and I've been thinking a lot about it. And we, Maddie and I, tried to see a lot of plays because we are trying to sort of get back into it. And the fact that a play could just be like it's this person telling their story through. We I saw significant other at the Geffen. It's a guy and his three friends, and each of the three friends gets married. That's sort of like the thing that happens, and it's kind of him dealing with that. And that's sort of it. But it talks about, you know, he's a gay man, and it's his struggle in finding someone to be in a relationship with, and it's friendship, and it's conflict, and it's, you know, I'm sobbed. It's, it's, it doesn't need to be, if, you're, if you have the truth of your characters, you don't need to have anything much more than that. Totally. So uh, I'm going to ask a, a question that I ask people in comedy and it drives them crazy <laughs> and has to do with finding a joke. Uh-huh. Okay. So have you noticed in the room a certain process that works, that might work for, for writers when they're trying to find that perfect line, that perfect button for the scene or that great punchline? It's really, in our room, it's like a game of ping pong. Like, someone says one line, and that makes someone else say another one. It happens really, really fast. It happens, and sometimes you're talking, and you don't even think before you talk. It just comes out, and it's like, boom, 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 boom. And then all of a sudden, someone says it, and everyone dies laughing, and that's it. You know? And it happens so quickly. It's like you're one organism. Like, And that's the beauty of a writer's room, is that you're not alone in your room. It's Mm -hmm. Because it's totally different to find a joke when you're by yourself at your laptop, and you're typing and you're rereading oh that's not that funny and you type it again and you're rereading you know but in the room it's like boom 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 and then big laugh and then that's it (laughs) yeah the first joke that the first successful joke I made as a writer's assistant in the room I remember one of the writers said something and then I kind of like it was like a set and spike kind of and everyone like because it was my first joke it was it also happened to be my birthday everyone got very everyone was like yeah it's your first joke like Helene took a photo of me and I was like <laughs> and I said I was like I was like Elizabeth like it was she you know and she was like yeah I mean that's how it works like someone says something and you you know and it's like I set and spike set is and what spike. you just said so yeah. she set it up and you spiked it yeah it's a group Sweet. process for Sweet. sure. Yeah, and it does feel very when you're in the it almost feels like like a fugue state almost when you're in this like rhythm of like writing a script and people are I remember when I was an assistant and I Alina's very um she takes the best joke it doesn't matter who pitches she encourages she encouraged me to pitch as an assistant encourages them to pitch. And I would just like involuntarily like kind of whisper a joke because I was like, oh, like that would be funny. <laughs> and but she was sitting like next to me, so she'd hear it, and I didn't know that she could hear it, and she would put it in the script, and I'd be like, oh, like the thing that's voluntary works, and that a lot of that in a writer's room, a lot of being a writer is trusting that gut voice and, and saying it, not overthinking it. Not often overthinking that it. will kill the joke. If you think, yeah. if you have to think about it too much, it's probably not that funny. Yeah. And <laughs> by nature, you're going to say something that is a, like involuntary and it's not going to land. And then you just move on. Like right. that's people always are, I think, um, assign this great, tri- like, Oh my God, what happens if like you say a joke and it doesn't go? And it's like, then you say a joke, then someone else says something. Mm-hmm. No one is ever sitting in a bad joke. We have work to do. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, so no more whispering, right? No. Now I'm, I'm I've gotten louder. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. What? What? Um. This is a, sort of a last question for you uh, when it comes to career. So, what do you know now that you wish you knew then that maybe you could pass on to listeners who are at the beginning of their writing career and hoping to have a career like both of you? I think 
it really comes down to working really, really, really hard mm -hmm. and really, really loving what you do at the same time because you have to love it in order to put in those hours and mm -hmm. you you have to put in those hours in order to get to the next step. So it's not for lazy people. It's not for anyone who's like, this could be fun, but I'm not sure if this is really my uh, main end goal. Um, you know, I, I feel like, it the, the years that went into it all taught me so much and will continue to teach me so much. And that's part of it, too, is like looking back, I, I, I sort of wish I had said to myself, just like, take a deep breath and calm down. It will happen. I said it to her many and, times. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not all going to happen tomorrow. And we continue to tell each other this yeah. all the time as we continue to move forward that like it's a process. And so, yes, work really hard and yes, be passionate. And yes, but also like enjoy your life and yeah and live because those are the stories that you're going to tell in the room and and in your own writing and yeah. yeah I mean all of that and I have I think another thing that um doesn't get talked about maybe enough uh if you're lucky enough to be an assistant in a room or in an office with people with people that you want to be be a good assistant yeah. Even if it has nothing to do with writing, there are tasks that I did that I know I did well that led me to be a writer in the room that don't necessarily have, they're not like creative 100%. tasks. The way you picked up that dry cleaning, that yeah. kind of stuff, right? <laughs> yeah. Like you have to be, do everything as if it can lead to the most amazing thing in the world because a lot of times it could. And if you are an amazing worker and you're a hard worker and you do it with a smile and you do it with like a love of what you're doing that does not go ignored it really 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 doesn't so that and then a writer I worked with gave me really good advice once and she said always sort of and a couple writers have given me this advice sort of um prep for the next thing um in a way where you can still enjoy your life but it's like just because I'm a writer on staff that doesn't mean it's like well I'm good I'm like sipping no. my margarita and like I did what I came here to do it's like I don't I want to keep growing I want to keep growing in rooms Maddie and I both you know ultimately want to run shows one day see what sticks is kind of our little practice for doing that <laughs> learn from the people around you don't ever get too comfortable because there's always like a place to grow I think with your work and with your title mm -hmm, mm -hmm, definitely um, so and but also god enjoy life like please enjoy life go have hang out with friends because otherwise like who are you and what are you writing you about it, right yeah. need some life experience yeah, yeah. God, these thank you so much great <laughs> advice from both of you thank you for taking your time to be here i really appreciate thank it you. thank um, you uh we we know where to go to to look uh, at see what sticks and maybe be an audience member and maybe even be in the show mm -hmm. in the workshop um what about social media? Are are do you guys tweet? Are is it okay if people tweet at you? We don't have a Twitter. We have an Instagram. Okay, please follow us. See what sticks, LA. Okay, um, we have our first workshopper who found us on Instagram, and I'm hoping to grow our following. Oh, you will. Yeah. So please follow us. See what sticks, LA, on Instagram. Um, we're uh, see what sticks. Just the words see what sticks on Facebook. That's where all of our events are. Um, and we have a workshop uh, Saturday, July 14th at 5.30 p.m. Come on by. Excellent. Excellent. Well, let's see. This is going to come out, I think, on uh, maybe, wait, what day is it? 
Today is it's Saturday. 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 Yeah, it's going to come out on the 13th. So Amazing. who knows? Who knows? Yay. We hope to see you there. <laughs> Thanks again, you guys. Wonderful, wonderful. I want to remind everybody to go to onthepage.tv um, to check out the in-person classes and also, of course, the recorded classes for people who are from out of state. Um, July 14th and 15th, we're also doing the two-day rewrite class. Oh, cool. So come to the rewrite class <laughs> and then go to the show yes. at night. See with sticks what right? a great saturday yeah yeah do that <laughs> um also there's the one day tv class july 22nd carol kirshner is the guest speaker you will break story on your pilot but also you will have a full pitch of your series by the time that you leave um i'm doing something new august 12th it is directing for writers with uh, a co-teacher who is an um, excellent director who will actually tell talk to you about how to get your stuff off the page and onto the screen. Oh, cool. And then, of course, there's the September class, the six-week uh, first draft class, which you can sign up for as well. So go to onthepage.tv, check out all of those things. And thank you again to Ilana Pena and to Madeline Hendricks. Thank you very much, thank you guys. You. I really appreciate it. Thanks to all of you for listening. Have a good writing week. <laughs>